0: Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. We don't have a God who says, I'm sitting here, you come to me. We have a God who says, you're there, I'm coming to you, amen, church. That wasn't in my notes, all right? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Pastor Randy says, this is the area of our faith that we become the most divided over. But in his message today, he reminds us the true work of the Holy Spirit will always bring unity, not division. We start believing that the Holy Spirit of God will do things far beyond anything we ever even imagined that He would. Open your Bible now. Here's Pastor Randy. If you'd open your Bibles up to the book of Acts, we're going to just stay standing and read a couple of verses of Scripture. Uh, but, but I want to give you the verse of the week that we want to encourage you to memorize. We're going to read this uh, we're gonna read this epiphanally today. This is uh, Colossians 3.16. I think we got a verse to put up on the screen. And we're gonna read this today. We're gonna read this comethetically. Is that a word? Parenthetically is a word. Comethetically should be a word. Do, is there anybody that knows? Am I, any, is that a word? What do you call the section set off by commas? There should be a phrase for that. A phrase? You don't know. You just made that up just like I did, comethetical. All right, so I'm gonna read the first comethetical phrase, and you're gonna read the second comethetical phrase, and I'll read the third and the fourth, okay? We're gonna see if this works, all right? All right, it's on the screen right here, Colossians 3, okay? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, We did that really well. That was not bad for our first comethetical reading. (laughs) Acts chapter two, verse 36. Just two verses I wanna read. I'm gonna preach through a whole bunch. We're gonna just kinda read this passage today. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that Jesus has made him, that pronoun right now, that means Jesus. You can write Jesus over it if you want. Both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified, Now look at this, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, you should circle that word brothers, you'll see why in just a minute, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And may God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated as you elbow bump, wave, whatever. Hey, I got four quick announcements here, and then we're gonna jump into the Word uh, next Sunday, and we, we're gonna do announcements at the end of the service too. But next Sunday we have our 412 gathering. Th- this is a gathering of of young singles, young marrieds, Basically, if you're 35 and under, or you think you are, uh, we want you to come. We've got a, a speaker that's going to come. We're gonna be around four subjects a year. That we're gonna we're gonna do these four times a year. Just just for kind of our young people as a gathering point. And there's small groups and stuff that disperse out of that, so that's next Sunday night. It's, it, it's called 412, and after this week, it will start at guess what time? You guys are so smart. You got comethetical and 412, but this time it's at five because we said it was gonna be five. It's just a rally point. If you have a college student that is away, if you would be so kind on your grace notes on the little uh, tear off, if you would write their address down, their name and address, we wanna send them a care package. So if you've got a college kid away, uh, or you've got a, a kid that's just away, kind of in that age group, we wanna send them a care package, and if you'll give, them, if you'll give us their address, we will send them a care package. Uh, the, the next thing, if, you, uh, if you're watching online and you are shut in, you can't come to church, but you'd like one of our elders to come and bring you communion. And they haven't done that to this point. If you would email me, my email's randy at gfc.tv. And if you'll email me, we will have an elder come out to your home this week and bring you communion. And last but not least, we have a number of widows in this church as I've been reading through the book of Acts kind of ahead of of where I'm teaching. I really felt just admonished to do this. Um, Anita and I would love to take you guys out to dinner. So if you'll, just, um, if you'll just write your name down um, on your tear-off sheet, uh, or a widower as well. Um, if you'll write your name down on the tear-off sheet, or you can write it for somebody, and we'll contact in the next three weeks. We're gonna go get some dinner, all right? We'll take the bus, the new bus that's out there. Pray for our kids today. They're going to Six Flags. Actually, pray for our leaders today. They're going to Six Flags. All right, I wanna just jump into the text here. Last week, we the prologue of where we're gonna be today, when the day of Pentecost arrived, uh, this is the true work of the Holy Spirit will always bring unity, John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. And this is what he says, by this everyone will know you're my disciple. Not by our chains, not by our T-shirts even. Remember in the 80s, we wore those Christian T-shirts. The more radical the T-shirt, the more strong our witness, we thought. Love each other. If, if you're divided on the issue of the Holy Spirit, somebody's missing something somewhere. And ironically, this is probably the area of our faith that we get the most divided about is the area of the Holy Spirit. So he's gonna bring unity, not division. This is Pentecost. This is a harvest festival. It's one of three big festivals. There's the Passover, Festival of Booths, and, the, and Pentecost, which was a, the Winter Harvest Festival. It's when they gathered the lettuce and the collards and broccoli and all the things that grow well in the cooler climate of the wintertime. And we're gonna see this is a harvest festival. You remember it was about the language of the heart in the voice of where people were from, they hear the gospel being spoken. The language of the heart, until you get the context you don't understand that it's for you and that this gospel is, is for them. There's a speaking, not hearing. There's a going to them aspect that, that this is not, this is, we don't have a God who says, I'm sitting here, you come to me. We have a God who says, you're there, I'm coming to you. Amen, church. Amen. That wasn't in my notes, all right? <laughs> Jesus came, humbled himself, walked this earth to the cross, to the grave, made fish, was obviously, he had to be a great carpenter because he wasn't even a fisherman. He was a better fisherman than any of the fishermen. What an amazing, what an amazing person. Who else says the things that he says? He came to them speaking, wasn't demanding that they hear he would speak, And this is today, I want to get to this. The true work of the Holy Spirit is always going to be word centered. You're never going to have the Holy Spirit direct you to do something counter to the word. I've heard people say things like that, by by the way. I've heard people say, well, the Spirit's telling me you should leave this person and marry this person. I heard people say that. Had people come to me and say, well, this pastor told me this. Well, this, over, this this, will never be in conflict with the Holy Spirit of God, ever, never ever. Now look at this, starting at 12, all were amazed. Now look, it says, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, so there's the all and the others. It's a little bit like saying everybody was there except them. So all is there. So there's this huge group of people that's all in. The mass of people, the, the the great number of people are amazed, but there's some others. And and what the others say, they are filled with new wine. But Peter standing with the eleven, big point there. You need a wingman, or ten more. Lifted up his voice and addressed them. I love what what Peter says here because this is not really that deep and theological at first. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's not five o'clock anywhere right now. It's only 9 a.m. It's the third hour of the day. I just love that. It's just like so, it's like there's no way they're drunk. Nobody's drunk at 9 a.m. So, so there's got to be another answer here. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Listen, there will always be people that will mock you. That is not anything new. My, I had an uncle. Okay, I'm gonna tell two dumb jokes, okay? Two dumb jokes and then I'm gonna be in the text the rest of the time today. So I had an uncle that moved to Los Angeles after World War II and started this little dairy thing where you could like drive through and get milk and bread and eggs and things like that. It was like a drive through It would be a great business. Someone should start it, I mean here, because I would go do that to like not have to go into the store, like drive up, can I get a gallon of milk and a dozen eggs? That would be an amazing business. And he had like several of these and like a lot of celebrities and stuff would come through. They didn't wanna go in the store and all that. But he, he never really liked living in Los Angeles. I called him last week and told him I was gonna tell this story. So he would always say this to people. He would go, I hate living in Los Angeles. You wanna know Why? Why? Well, number one, the smog. Number two, the crime. Number three, the traffic. You wanna know what four and five are? And they'd say, what? And he'd say, nine. I told you it was a dumb joke. But people, people it's a funny thing, people move down here and complain about living here. It, it's like you're always gonna have people that mock. There was this, there was this guy who's wanted to buy this dog, this retriever, it was, a, it was a golden retriever, and this guy said it's the most amazing golden retriever. and. And he said, well, what does it do? And he throws this, he throws, you know, one of those retrieving uh, birds out on the, out on the water and the, and the retriever comes and gets right at the edge and it points. I'm not gonna demonstrate that for you. But it, but it points and, and he snaps his finger. Dog runs across the water, grabs the dummy, brings it back, drops it at his feet, goes back and sits down next to him. Guy goes, quite a dog, isn't it? The guy buying the dog goes, dog can't swim, huh? Okay, I told you it's a dumb joke, okay? All right, mercy laugh, please. There's always going to be those people in our lives. Paul had them. Vernon read this scripture the first Sunday we were doing this, Acts 28, 24. Some were convinced and others disbelieved. If that's not heavy, how about this? Jesus, gone to the cross, killed by the Romans. If you've ever heard the swoon theory, that Jesus, the swoon theory is that Jesus wasn't actually dead. Listen, the Romans knew how to kill people. Plus, he, plus, just practically speaking, okay, three days, no medical care, all that torture, he gets up, okay, where'd he get his clothes from? Yeah. Yeah, nobody ever thought of that one, did they? He had clothes, he was clothed. No, listen, this was miraculous that, that Jesus comes back from the dead, got the wounds, the whole deal, Matthew 28, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. But look at this, but some doubted. If they're going to doubt the risen Jesus, and everybody knew what had happened. Listen, they, they didn't have Fox and CNN debating each other, okay, okay? They, they did have, though, the word of mouth. Everyone knew, everyone knew there was physical things that happened. The earthquake, dead people came out of their tombs. Everybody knew something had happened and you see Jesus and some people doubted. People are going to mock and disbelieve, but it's not personal. Wounded people wound people. It, most of the time, they're not answering even out of their disbelief. They're answering out of their wounds and if you'll get close enough and you'll give it time, you'll see that, but it takes time. You don't get that at the first answer. Tell me about the God you don't believe in. Tell tell me why you feel that way. Can can I tell you about a time that he's come and, and answer that question for me? It takes time to do that. Heaven is not moved by exit polling. Truth is not subject to discussion, but our answer should always be with Jesus. Verses 17 to 21, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here other than this, the, the social order gets totally turned upside down. Your, your sons and your daughters will prophesy and, and if you're new to us, when you see the word prophesy, it doesn't mean I'm saying today the Falcons will win. That's lunacy, not prophecy, all right. I'm gonna get so many emails this week. I can already tell the dog joke was totally out of Okay. And then the Falcons think, but prophecy means speaking the word of God. That's what it always has meant. Old Testament, they didn't have the written word. It's always speaking the word of God. Pro- when it says to prophesy, it means to speak the word of God. Some people are given that gift to speak the word of God, but all of us are supposed to speak the word, whether it's a gift or not. Do you know, do you know what every cook in the army knows how to do? What do they know how to do, Brian Lash, where you at? What's every cook know how to do? Boiled potatoes, all right. That wasn't the answer I was looking for. Fire the, the, main, the main weapon, right? They all know how to still shoot. Yeah, everybody but the chaplain, that's the only one. Everybody but the chaplain knows how to, knows how to use the weapon, the primary weapon. We all need to know how to prophesy. Some have that gift. And this is, this is the answering with Jesus. Peter answers with Jesus. But first, there's the expectation of something greater. And church, this is one of the things. We, we've, got to, we've got to be clear with the word of God and that includes pointing out sin. But I think we start out with the bigger vision of what the gospel is about. That God loved the world and gave his son so that the world would be saved. He, he didn't send him in to condemn But to save, we start with that expectation of the promise. That that even on your verse 18, on your male and female servants, the 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 gender order in the ancient Near East, women had no voice. This is Old Testament prophecy here. This is old, this is the prophet Joel at a time that women had no voice, and they're saying, No, your women, women will have a voice. Prophesy, servants will have a voice, not just the king, not just the male king, but men and women, servants, kings, everyone will have a voice. And they will do something very different. The old will dream, the young will have visions, the opposite of what it is in practical life. And he answers here with Jesus. Watch what he does. Beginning at verse 21, this was our memory verse, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How's he gonna do that? Verse 22, here's the first thing. He talks about the man. Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man, a man. The big challenge in the early church, was he God or was he man? He was both. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. You saw this as you yourselves know, this Jesus. He was the man. He was the man of the plan. He didn't have a plan. He was of the plan. Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. He was He was more than death, so he was the man. He was the man of the plan. He was more than death could understand. Look at this. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. If my grandma was here, she'd be shouting at this point. Nine o'clock, I'm just saying. For David says, I saw the Lord. Look at this. I saw the Lord before me. He's at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Remember that verse, we're gonna come back to it. My flesh will dwell in hope. Church, some of us need to have our flesh dwell in hope. Yeah, we're in the midst of horrendous things. This pandemic's a real thing. We got people in this church that are struggling with it. We got long haulers. We got people in this room that are still dealing with the effects of it. But he says this, my flesh will dwell in hope. We are not just victims. My flesh will dwell in hope. You're coming, you're waking up. For you will not, this will give you some hope, you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy one see corruption. Two different people there, by the way. My soul to Hades, let your holy one see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, circle that word brothers. Who is he talking to here? I think he's talking to the people that believed, but he's especially talking to the people that didn't believe, the mockers. Brothers, this is a point. Go to them. Expect that the Holy Spirit will be in those conversations. Don't lead with anger and fear and frustration. Brothers, they may not be acting like brothers right now I, I may say to you with confidence that the patriarch David, that he died and was buried in his tomb is with us to this day, being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Jesus, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This. Jesus, God raised up, and of that, we are all witnesses. Again, he's saying this. We've seen this with our eyes. We saw this. You can't deny the reality of this. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend in the heavens, but he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand that I may make your enemies your footstool. See, David had a tomb. You could go to it, it was still sealed up. Jesus' tomb isn't sealed up anymore. David is prophesying about Jesus. The promise, both for himself, but primarily here about Jesus, he was more than death could understand. And then look this, I love this. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain God made him Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So he was the man, he was the man of the plan, he was more than death could understand, and here he is, he is in demand. Look at this. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, circle that word. Take your ink pen and draw a circle between that word and the other brothers. How do you get to that second brother? You begin by seeing them as brothers, not as enemies. And how do they answer now? Now they're answering brothers. Do you see that? I had not seen that until this morning. I was, I was going through my notes and I'm like, brothers, brothers. So we start with hope. We start with expectation. We start believing that the Holy Spirit of God will do things far beyond anything we ever even imagined that he would. They were cut to the heart. I, Love, here in testimony, someone's gonna have to bring me a Kleenex, I can already tell. Um, I'm serious, I need a Kleenex. All right, I'm gonna cry in just a minute. (laughs) It's okay, you can laugh. It's genetic. My brother Vernon proved it that, that day. Yeah, we get emotional. My older two brothers are the worst. They're even worse than we are. Thank you, sweetie, thank you so much. She brought me two. Thank you. She is so sweet. I should have one in my pocket already. I love it when people bow up to the gospel. Because I'm like, they're going down. It's like when they bow up to the gospel. Yeah, I ain't believing that. Because I've just seen how it works. That's, I, look, I, I don't know exactly how it works. I don't know if like the angels are involved and, and you know, and like setting situations up and stuff. There's a series of tracks called the Chick Tracks. Anybody remember the Chick Tracks? And those were all about the angels setting up situations. I do know this. The Holy Spirit of God draws people. And it's like it's like the the biggest atheists, those are the ones that God's like, I, he's going down. You guys know the story of David Livingston? David Livingston w- went to... Uh, went to Africa and set medical clinics up all over the place. He was, he was over there, his, he had, his family was, was dying. He was in horrendous medical condition. He was on this bed, he couldn't even move. His med- he didn't have any medicine. He had not had the medicine that he needed specifically for months. And, and they sent Stanley from the newspaper, from the, from the London version of the Times, and he comes in and he goes, I'm Stanley, I'm the biggest swaggering atheist you've ever met, don't try to convert me, here's your medicine. You know who took over Livingston's ministry after he died? Stanley. It's how God works. So here's some takeaways. Here's the first thing. Look for the lost. Look for the lost. Start praying with anticipation for the people in your life. Ask God. You know, when he says, says, Paul's like saying, I don't know if I wanna go to that town. He's like, hey, listen, I got people there already. They just don't know it yet. Acts eighteen. It's in the Bible. Look, look with. Start looking for the lost. Start having those eyes that you see things that way. That you start looking. That you start looking for the move of God in people's lives. Look for the lost. And put the context to culture. The, God will use the things that you do. The the life that you have, the gifts that you have, the experiences, even the pains. The Sowie Indians, at that time it was called Dutch New Guinea, it's Indonesia, were this tribe of Indians who were incredibly violent. They were cannibalistic headhunters. They warred with other tribes, but they were going to go in and, and harvest the timber in that area, and they basically had said we're gonna send the military in first and wipe them out, missions organizations heard about it first, and this missionary, Don Richardson and his, and his wife, Carol, and their young son went. He learned the language, the, their verbs had declensions, 19 declensions for each verb. Incredibly difficult language to understand. Translate, he spent hours and hours for a year learning the language, he, he saved the life of one of the chief's children. They were on a boat and this child fell in the water and, and he went in and saved the life of this child and, and they they just started revering him and he had incredible favor and, and this tribe, the Sowies, they, they loved him, they loved being around him. But the Salis would would fight with their neighboring tribe and one day, well, he had, he had tried to share the gospel with them, but they had a very different moral system, uh, ethic system. They saw Jesus as the dupe and Judas as the hero because in their tribe, deception was honored. And they're like, Judas was the good one here, Ju- Jesus is the dummy. And he kept trying to explain to them, no, no, no. And he couldn't find a way. And the, the tribes were warring against each other. And, and he he said, um, he came out and he said to the chief, he said, I'm leaving. He said, I've done no good here. You're continuing to fight with each other. You won't listen to what I say about the way we should treat people. I'm just gonna leave. And, and, the, and the chief brought the other tribe over and they gathered in this big field and Don actually thought they were gonna have this giant war. And the chief of the, the Salwi said, we love this family. We don't want them to leave. So we're going to do what we do in our tribe to bring peace. He said, someone must sacrifice their child. He didn't know this was a part of their culture. And he ran out, no, no, no. And the chief said, no, this is how we do this. He said, no, 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 no. They said, no, we we don't kill the child. This is what we do. Someone gives their child to that tribe. And they raised that child as their own. And as long as that child is alive, that's the peace child. And revival happened. I had goosebumps. Because we got a peace child. His name is Jesus. Look for the context. Look. Look for the stories of your life, look for the ways, and we're gonna talk about this over the next few weeks, how you tell your story. This was a a harvest festival, and there's a soul harvest. Look look at this, He he says in verse 40, save yourself from this generation. Says in 39, the promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And now at 41, those who received his word were baptized and were out of that day about 3,000 souls. This was a harvest, it was a soul harvest. Let me give you one more takeaway. Worship team, make your way up here. Look, look over it, verse 26. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh will also dwell in hope. I just have written down in my notes, sing the story. Life has a tendency of beating us down. Sin has a way of beating us down. Relationships can, can beat us down. But sing the story. I look across this room and I know some of the stories in this room. It's one of the things I like about pastoring a church this big. I know some of your stories. But even in the midst of it, he says we sing the story that there is hope in the midst of it. Acts 16, 25, I love this verse. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They're in prison for the gospel. I've never had to go to jail. I've had some people bomb my Facebook page. That's about it. Look at the rest of this verse. And the prisoners were listening. How do you do that? Ezekiel 36. This is right before the passage about the valley of dry bones. He says, and I'll give you a new heart, a new spirit I'll put within you and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Some of you guys have had some rough things in your life. Your identity has to be incredibly clear. That identity has to be from God. The Bible talks a lot about identity and purpose. Purpose can contribute to your identity, but purpose can't be your identity. If your purpose is your identity, you're gonna be sorely disappointed. What would you say if you're a VHS repair person? Job doesn't really exist anymore. No, your identity is so much bigger. And I just wanna encourage you, brothers, sisters, whether you're a brother or sister or not yet, that God's gonna start using those things in your life. Those things that candidly you would like to forget about, that you'd like to never be, he uses those things in your life in other people's lives because there's other people that are still in the midst of those things. Those wounds, those hurts, those pains, those injustices. Your identity is incredibly clear. He says, he will not let the Holy One see corruption. I love this. The Lord says, sit at my right hand. You know what Jesus is doing right now? Jesus is making intercession for you at the very right hand of God until I make your enemies your footstool. They were cut to the heart. Their lives were changed. And the biggest part of that is for the first time they saw who they were. You are so much more than what you do. This week, I had an incredible blessing. On Sunday, this little guy walks up to me and says, I'm being adopted this week, Pastor Randy, will you come to my adoption? So I went to court and was standing there and ran into two of my lawyer friends while I was there. And they're like, what are you doing here, Randy? You need help, you know? I'm like, no not in trouble or anything. We're here for an adoption. And we went in the court. I'd never been at one before. I didn't know what happened. And the first thing that they did was they made sure, listen to me, listen. The first thing is they said, that person over there, they don't have rights on this child anymore. They don't have rights on you anymore, church. Devil doesn't have rights on you anymore. He doesn't own the title to your life. And then they looked at this good father, this good man, and they said, "Will you be his father?" And he said, "Absolutely. Will you care for him? Absolutely. Provide for him? Absolutely." And then they asked the little boy, is this what you want? Oh, yes. And then they let him go up and hit the gavel. Time to hit the gavel. All that stuff that the enemy had on you, no. He doesn't have that right. Renounce it. Renounce it. He has, he's the judge. He's the judge. He's the one with the authority to do it. He's the one at the right hand making intercession for us. And God will use those stories in our lives, those hardest things, to do the most amazing things. This morning, I wanna encourage you to worship as one who is redeemed, adopted, chosen. And watch and see what he will do. Lord Jesus, this is not the church. I think about 1 Corinthians 6. This is not the church that pretends that all of our hurts are gonna go away. You're just with us in it. We, we don't pretend that we don't grieve. We just don't grieve as people without hope. We live in hope. We will dwell in hope. We, we don't pretend for a minute that everyone's gonna like this message. We don't pretend for a minute that this is all gonna be easy, but this is what we know. Your spirit abides within us that you care for people out there in our life more than we do and you long for them to come home. But we are your A plan, you don't have a B plan. Use us Jesus for your glory. And this morning, even the hard things we give to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, this week, look for the lost and ways to tell or sing your story. Thanks for joining us. I'm Erna Brown.